topic of this evening's talk is the rationalizer. In other words, you guys. And this, this person, we, something we all know, we tend to, anything that we don't understand or we want to promote or we want to stop or we want to explain or we want to, want to, want to, we don't want to look at the fundamental situation. You don't want to look at actually what it is. Because that might be too spacious or too unconventional or unconvincing or so we rationalize it. Well, the reason I did this is because, well, if she hadn't said that, then I wouldn't have done that terrible thing that everybody's accusing. She's the one that caused. You know what I'm talking about. Anytime you abandon what happens in front of you and jump to some other idea about it in order to rationalize your activity, your behavior, your thought patterns, anything. Very difficult to do something without any second thoughts at all and to live your life in what's well, called the present moment, which actually doesn't exist, if you don't mind me saying so. It's a concept about something. There's no present moment. It's a concept about something. And what is it a concept about? About something you can't conceptualize. We tend to rationalize or make sense of something that to bring every anything, no matter how uh, how much uh, out on the so-called fringe it actually is from the rules, regulations, ethics, and so on of society. Look at the society around you. Look at the chaos in the world. And yet, what do people do? They keep going back to the rules. No, they shouldn't do this, and they shouldn't not even realizing the very nature of this situation that we're in, that we are in is dependently arisen. And it's dependently arisen in its, in, in, in its multiplicity and it's a complete illusory nature. And it also uh, has not occurred at all. And that's, that's a direct statement uh, that, not just something I've said, but other others have said, nothing occurs. You think things occur, you're going to fight with the world. You're going to fight with yourself. I'm not saying, I don't think anyone is saying who understands this is saying that there isn't something happening called occurrence. This goes, that happens. It's called impermanence. It's the provisional teachings of the Buddha. Everything is impermanent. All compounded things will vanish. And... Everything is suffering, and there's no solid self in the skandhas. You think there's somebody here? Look closely. Look closely. Don't waste my time, all right? Don't waste my time. If this doesn't make any sense to you, go do something else. I'm not looking for followers. I'm looking for, if I'm looking for anything, I'm looking for people who are serious about this path of awakening because death comes without warning. Every human body that's in this room or it's on this screen has a heart beating in it. And you are not this body. 
We're not fundamentally this body. Dogen said in the 13th century, one of the famous sayings that he said, because it's so outlandish, drop off body and mind. How the hell do you do that? We're here. There's a heart beating. We have a body. We have thoughts. And you drop that off. Why didn't he explain that? <laughs> because it's a rationalization. It comes right back to making sense out of something that is does not make sense. This is a whole, if you see it all over the society and, and uh, everything, every every corporation, every, maybe not everyone, but corporations and people who are in high places are interested in what? Power, money. And they, they manage to rationalize why they don't help, why, why they go into space with a rocket ship that costs billions because they're, that because of the karmic situation that they arose in, provided them with something that has no, that only has relative value, money, power, fame, whatever. And they completely ignore millions of people who are in other countries who are starving or in, at, at the mercy of gangs. And you, you can't, that is such a leviathan, that is such a huge, incredibly gigantic and and um, uh, overwhelming, overwhelming avalanche of negativity and force and and brutality that you can't just go out and hold up a sign and say, "Don't do this. Stop being mean." Be peaceful. This will not get you very far. Even if you're John Travolta. Everyone dies. You're going to die. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I'm going to die. Maybe tomorrow. But rationalization, something comes up that we don't understand or something comes up that we just did and it doesn't make any sense why we move that way. Rather than look at the fundamental situation that just occurred, we rationalize it. We go to why we did that. <laughs> why did you do this? But what, 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 look what they did to me. It's obvious why I did that. They did this, therefore I did that. They said, she said, they said. We rationalize it. It's a hell of an escape hatch for ego. <laughs> ego does not want to be, does not want to lose its fuel supply of rationalization about everything. I like it. I don't like it. It's good. They shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. And the next time they say that, I'm going to do this. I've just had just about enough of that person. I'm familiar. This is what the sitting practice of meditation, as, as is taught here, not that they don't teach this other places, but sit down, hold still, and receive the, the complete baloney that arises in your mind, moment by moment by moment. Lies, lies, lies. 
Truth cannot rise in your mind stream. Relative truth can, which is the fuel of rationalization. It's rational. You rationalize it. You're, you're, uh, if you shoplift, which I've done my fair share of, of that, not recently, but it's only because I don't want to get caught. You know what I'm saying? But we rationalize it by saying, well, it's a big company, they have a lot of money. They're not going to miss anything. I need this. I don't have a good job. And so, to some extent, it's like, yeah, I don't have a good job. Uh, the society, instead of taking care of the human beings that are here, everyone taking care of each other like you would in a family, being considerate of everyone, instead, power, money, control, politics, pretty ugly. Even uh, the good guys are the good, good old boys are not helping so much by going to war with everything. So you hear me say over and over, if you, you listen to me half a dozen times, over and over again, I say, train your mind so that you know what this is. If you know what this is, you'll probably keep your hands in your pockets instead of going out and even though it's relatively correct, this person relatively did goof this up or stop doing this or mistreat these people or that those people. But quite often when we go after somebody who is what bad, evil, mistreating animals or doing something like that, what happens is we're looking for a credential that we're the person who is fighting that. It's pretty sickening if you see the big picture. When I say sickening, no, it's not sickening at all. It's just relative truth. It's just what the Buddha said. Life is suffering. Cause is wanting things to be different. The goal is cessation. And the path is train your mind. Train your mind to see clearly so that any activity that you do begin or commence or participate in is coming out of a very clear perception of what this is, what this, this is what your bathroom is and what your town is and what your next door neighbor is and your family and so on. When I say, don't waste my time, I'm not saying go away because I don't want to help you. No, I do want to help you. But I might, the way I help you may not be what you would call help. You might think, well, that's not, that's not what a spiritual teacher is supposed to be like. Comparing, comparing this activity to that, that activity or this teacher to that teacher. If, if a teacher, if there is a teacher and they're teaching out of their realization or what they see in front of them, because that's the realization is in front of you all the time. Uh, even time is an extra word. It isn't even there all the time. Because if it's there all the time, then that implies that there's a time when maybe it wasn't all the time. So as Trungpa Rinpoche once said, better not to start. But once you start, better to begin. 
So if you've started, don't stop. Don't turn around. Don't go back. Don't change gears. Don't flip off the station master. You all know what I'm talking about. Take some questions. Like once we start, do we have a choice on whether we stop? No. That doesn't mean that you you won't start and then go off and never meditate again or never talk to your teacher or the sangha or go off and start a excuse me a start a farm somewhere growing weed or something. Not picking on that example. I'm just saying you could be doing anything. You never can get, can't actually get off the path. And what he was referring to is, is the, the inclination to move from one place to another, try to continue to try to find the truth. You know, and it, it's different for each person because some people actually get on and, and begin. And uh, this is, this is more about uh, a school rather than a, you come in and you get your degree. A lot of room for questions in that area. Junshi Bowing. It seems that if something doesn't make sense to me, then a lot of anger immediately arises. Mm -hmm. Once you're covered up with some rationalization. Do. do you? Yeah. What, what flavor do you choose? All of them. How about those people are wrong? Mm -hmm. If they only knew. Is it that kind of thing? What's the question? There seems to be an unwillingness to loosen that, and at the same time, a desire to loosen that, or at least a feeling that I should. Okay. Is there any any way to loosen that or move pieces around in that? Yes. You look at how tight it is without any rationalization around it. Like you look at how tight it is and it's not, not if you're saying it's tight because that's rationalization. Or if you say, I can't loosen this up, that's rationalization. You look at the tightness and you look, it, is this, if you're calling it tightness, is this tight? Don't go into any uh, why. If you go into a why question, you're going to go on the circularity, Coney Island of the mind, on some kind of a Ferris wheel or something. It goes around and looks like progress, but it's circular. More? Junchi bowing. It just seems like every step of the way there's rationalization occurring. Let's just see the rationalization. You might have to see a whole buttload of it. You might have to see a lot of it before you eventually, it just wears out. This doesn't mean that, that that would show up in everybody's mind stream the same way. But it needs to, it, it, there's a area there when it starts to show up where 
You're a meditator, so therefore you've trained yourself to watch what moves without adding, subtracting, or dividing, supposedly. And so when that kind of thing starts to show up, you're able to see it in its starkness, in its uh, apparent otherness. And so by seeing it that way and not pushing it away, by seeing it that way, not drawing it to you by uh, manipulating it into, well, it's happening because the rationalization part. Well, if, if this hadn't happened, then I wouldn't have to deal with but those people would only straighten up and see what is true. And I could make up a bunch of other things as could you. But that's the only way that it will eventually become. This is just a way of talking about it, mirror-like. If it's moving at all in terms of if you're pushing, pulling, or shutting down, you won't see the mirror quality of that. I don't know how to ask. Further questions? Okay. Shoko Bhai, can we use the teachings as a rationalization? Shoko Bhai, so earlier you were talking about dependent origination. What is seeing something as dependently arisen and not as a rationalization of something? No, it's not one. When you don't know what you're looking at, If you know what you're looking at, and you think you're seeing dependent origination, uh, then that's uh, an illusion. So sometimes, it, if it looks like there are a lot of moving parts to a situation, is that rationalization? Mm -hmm. What are you smiling for? It was not funny. You just are you mocking the teacher? You're getting ready to mock the teacher? Mm -hmm. I'm not finished with that clown yet. Oh, okay. Anybody see a clown in the room? Go ahead. <coughs> I'm just thinking about how we might ordinarily blame something as this caused that, but then it seems like there's a deeper dimension of seeing that there's more going on than just that situation. Good description, go ahead. So then what is, how is that different from the, the fundamental seeing of dependent origination? The fundamental seeing of dependent origination, you won't see anything separate. You won't see separate things. You just see this, and it's, and it's so ordinary that it's and so outlandishly simple. It doesn't substantiate, reify, or validate anything or anyone, especially a a perceiver of such a situation. There's more there. Gonna let me down? Probably. <laughs> Just a minute, Christopher. Let me finish with Shoki Doki first. Mr. Shoka. The Shoka line. So, 
how do we relate to the kind of like a relative seeing of dependent origination where we where it's not just this cause that but it seems like it's a you know, bigger picture just bigger picture is fine but just watch how you object to agree with and ignore the various so-called parts of that you're for this but you're against that this seems to work but not that so we get we get in in entrained or entwined in that circularity and it's about seeing that not stopping it or getting rid of it or shutting down on it or creating uh, another another scenario that is more real or more accurate or just it's just that well, I don't know how to... It's okay. What is the function of rationality on the Bodhisattva path? Well, difficult to elaborate on that very much without getting trapped in rationalization, but a little bit. It's like the, the, the idea of the Buddhist path is uh, not too tight, not too loose. So a little bit of that, enough to, to allow us to function in a relative situation. So a little bit. But what happens is we tend to we get threatened by something, and then we start to wind up in rationalization about blaming, well, if I wouldn't, I'm feeling like this because she, they, someone did this or did that, and suddenly, so then you get tied into that aspect of the mind stream we sometimes call the eighth consciousness or karma or the vasanas or, or uh, habit energy that comes out of who knows where this comes from. We don't know. We don't know. No, it doesn't have a source in the conventional sense like this striker has swings through the air and the source of that sound comes from that gong. Very simple, and we're, we're, we get entrained into the relative structure, <clears throat> and we, we, our, our whole uh, understanding, the whole depth of our spiritual path is sucked down into some kind of relative materialism that is based on gain and loss, hope and fear, life and death, right and wrong, and all the other polarities of relative truth. Relatively true, but that doesn't address the fundamental issue, which is both suffering and also death. What is irrational action? Action is not rational. What's it supposed to you? You come up with an example of you know, something is irrational. It seems like I did half a dozen things today that didn't really make sense in terms of what it seems like I want to accomplish. So I wonder what is showing up. The most important thing about what you've said is the awareness of it. Not whether it's irrational or not irrational. Your conclusion about it, the most important thing about that is the space in which that shows up or occurs. That space is basically without it getting too romantic or fancy about it, it's eternal. Not, it's not contingent about any kind of tick-tock. 
showing up in there and then we do something with it. We shut down or that seems irrational. Go ahead, Christopher. Um, so you said better not to start, but Christopher Bonnie, um, that you said better not to start, but if you start better to begin, um, what, what does that kind of mean? Like, does that mean getting like, um, don't give me too many options here. I don't do multiple choice. Oh, okay. Great um, question. What What does it, what, what did you mean by that? Well, first of all, uh, you missed the quote, uh, and I'm probably missing the quote of, uh, of uh, Trump or Vichayas. Uh, better not to even start the Buddhist path. But if you start, better to finish. That's what was said. I thought I said that, not to begin. But did I say it that way? I don't know. I might have said it wrong. But what he's all he's saying is it's it's not just some walk in the park or no I think I'll check this out a little bit. I'm not saying there are kinds of meditation or practices that you couldn't dip into and walk away from. But if you if you step into this path, Buddha's Dharma with no credentials. There's no credentials here. I don't have any credentials. There's no proof of anything. You step into it, better to finish. Why would you say it? Why would that even come up? Thank you, Kevin Bowing. Earlier, you mentioned a hypothetical situation in which we might find ourselves engaging in behavior that we can't explain. And rather than rationalizing it to try to get to the fundamental situation, what's fundamental in a situation that we can't even recognize ourselves in bowing. That is it. That's the fundamental to not recognize yourself. Uh, You're actually getting close to a a fundamental teaching of the Buddha, which there's no self in the skandhas. No no one comes as a separate entity. So this happens every day to everybody. You suddenly realize you, you don't know where you're at. You're in the you're in the mall, but suddenly the place you're going to is it's changed. So you're maybe confused temporarily. That's very close to uh, liberation. Uh, it's it's a relative feeling of liberation, it's being being have been, having been downloaded into a f- human form uh, a number of years ago, and here we are trying to figure out a way to live and feed ourselves and take care of ourselves, protect ourselves, be safe. So when we find ourselves in a relatively trustworthy situation where suddenly everything is just coming apart, then the downside of it is in extreme insecurity, and that insecurity drives us right up the road of, rash, of rationalization about what's ha- what is it, what is what does this mean, what am I doing, what am I? So it's it's not like that is incorrect, particularly, but when the rationalization becomes just a way of keeping ourselves from ever being responsible for anything. So the not knowing part, the downside of it, it's maybe a little scary, frightening, because we're not sure what's going on there. But the upside of that, to use a polarized kind of a, a, a idea or example or a statement about it is you're actually close, when you get into that, that so-called uh, no person's land, but the reference points are dropping away. That's actually a, gives you a good taste of what it feels like uh, to uh, 
what the what the self-centered mind feels like when it starts to pro, approach the cliff of enlightenment. It doesn't want to jump. It doesn't want to go. It wants to find rationalize. I, I don't need to do this. So this can't be. It can't be like this. Uh, enlightenment shouldn't be this scary. Enlightenment should be more. I mean, nice. I mean, aren't we? Aren't we getting rid of suffering, or aren't we uh, ending suffering? Naroda, Sanskrit word for cessation. Aren't we ending it? No, that's a that's a provisional teachings. That's that's to actually work with you uh, in the state of mind that you begin the path in, which is very relative and very childish. You think you are somebody. You can't really address somebody. Um, to use those kinds of metaphors from the graduate level when they're only eight years old, and they have to have to start in very simple ideas like the five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, the six realms. As you know, I'm not going to all of that, but I'm saying, so when we run into a situation where we're kind of devastated as far as what to do next about that, the downside is difficulty, but the upside is you're getting an, an actual taste of what awakening is like. You actually do not know what is happening. If you are awakened, if you are an awakened teacher, I'm making no claims about being awake. I don't need to make any claims for my benefit or for yours. But if you're if it, one who operates out of not being separate from anything, out of reality, uh, it's sometimes called the crazy wisdom form of the Buddhas of the three times. And we can go on and on, on there with the, the Sadhana Mahamudra. It's just a way of talking about the the apparent insanity that the ego faces when he or she or they start to uh, go into the Buddhist path and start to their paths, their, their practice starts to mature after 20 or 30 years. No, not 10 years, not 10, unlikely in 10 years. So those of you who have been practicing for 10 years, think you're on the verge of awakening, uh, maybe. It is, it is devastating to ego. So that's why it takes so long, so that you can slowly understand that this is, you're going to have to be who you are. You're not going to get to be some enlightened being who has no more negative thoughts, or you're going to have to be genuine. The Vidyadra, Chogyam, Trungpa, Rinpoche. I know there's a few people on here who have met him. I realize that this is a was an astonishing human being who was completely present. It's an understatement. He was the present. He was the presence. He was kind of a beat up Tibetan body because he got in an accident because he got drunk and ran into a joke shop. The joke was on him. That didn't stop him from uh, being a Mahasiddha, great being. Akhavani, what about enlightenment is devastating to ego? Because it's the death of ego. And ego thinks it's alive and thinks it's somebody and thinks it's going to get some kind of credit or 
win or get ahead of everything. And then uh, the, the approach to awakening, uh, the ego starts to get looking more and more for credentials. Tibetan Buddhism provides you with all kinds of credentials so that it'll get you closer to the edge of the cliff. It's like Trungpa Rinpoche talked about the Vajrayana being a tantric practice, being uh, going up a mountain with no guardrails. Someone asked Coben once, if I remember correctly, and I probably don't, but I'll, I'll make stuff up. What? So Coben, what would Zen be like? He said, that's, you start at the top of the mountain and go up. So he was a little transcendental humor there. Both, both of them were wrong. So Grand So as your student, I'm running out of ways of saying, I don't know, and I'm confused. That's pretty good. Are there other ways of communicating that without mm -hmm. rationalizing confusion? Fine. Very good. So it's aware of the rat, uh, being aware of the rationalization. You can do it. Just keep going. I know you can. I was told the same, something similar, and I was in uh, pretty sad shape. Just keep going. That works fine. I don't know what I'm doing, where I'm going, what this is about. And you've been practicing, you've been meditating, as I recall, about over 20 years, a long time. Don't stop. Go ahead. So, Grandbowing, when the actions or the words of the teacher show up as something that I might want to rationalize, what would be the alternative? Don't rationalize it. Don't just just don't know what it is. Don't just just see something as happening. Don't jump to any conclusions or confusions or exceptions or rejections. Do nothing with it. And then it will find its own form. But if you do anything with it, if you interfere with what is arising in the mind stream at all, it rotates right back into Disneyland or the House of Mirrors. Or, 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 or. Less is better. Just don't, don't do anything with it. This is over the sitting practice of meditation, sitting down, holding still, looking at the wall. And this is true of the tantric practices also, creation completion practices, has been my experience of it anyway. I'm not saying that there aren't greatly enlightened Vajra masters that I have no idea what they're doing. Probably. Yeah. So grandfathering, if nothing is done with it, and then subsequently anger or fear arises, is that having done something with it? Um, Not necessarily. No, it's just uh, the awareness of that. It's just a matter of chewing up the karma. You can't chew it up, but you can stop it from being uh, chewed up by the very nature of dependent origination. Dependent origination, you want to personalize it, wants to chew that up, and it will. Just get the hell out of the way. How do you do that? You see that there, there's some somebody who's here who needs, somebody who's here who wants that, somebody who's here who's demanding that. There's some kind of an opinion, an idea. You know what I'm talking We talked about it earlier today. What do you do with that? Don't do anything with that. That's your path. Those, those, are, the, those are the footsteps of the Buddha. How do I know? I don't know. I have no idea how I know. I don't know what I'm going to say. I hear what I'm saying at the same time you do. Do 
Didn't you have a question from Shane in Virginia? Shane, will you please leave me alone? Damn. No, you can go ahead. What's the difference in a person's reaction when you engage with their confusion and when you engage them with openness, listening, basic questions, and other ways you teach to engage with people? I don't know. I don't, I don't understand your question. Engage me. Do you understand this question? I mean, you have to know Shane to understand this question. Well, by the way, thank you for the little book you sent of the, of the I think it's a chain gang or something like that. You see that book? There's a little book in the other room. It's got little cartoons and there's little chains on the thing. And if you move it around, it forms different shapes of snowmen. Thank you. I'm not figured figured out what to do with it, but I'll probably give it to Rumi, or I'll just give it to the monks, or I'll keep it. Or, 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 or go ahead. A uh, question from Vishal in San Jose. Vishal. Why does Shikintaza go so well with psychedelics? Um, I don't know. Which psychedelics are you using? The ones I recommend. I don't know. I don't know. I take it that he's being, trying to provide me with some kind of a straight man so that I can say something humorous. Or maybe he's trying to say something humorous and trying to shut me down. Or, or, next question. Jokobang, sometimes when we're having difficulty, you say flash on the senses. Is there a way when we're rationalizing that we can flash on not knowing? You know what it feels like to be dumb, don't you? <laughs> Getting a whole lot of smiles out here. <laughs> Somehow. But the only person that's not smiling is Christopher. Hey, Christopher, may I introduce you to Shoka? <laughs> <laughs> He was asking you questions earlier. Oh, he's asking you questions. Okay, but he probably fooled him for a while. <laughs> but yes, you can. I, I don't know if it's a flashing on it, but just a, a willingness to, to not proceed in any direction uh, mentally. I mean, if you've been sitting and facing a wall, as long as you have, so you know what Shikantaza is, you've done many solitary retreats, you know what that is. It's just, it's just that. It's just like everything is a wall. Uh, fundamentally, uh, that that won't work as a kind of a device to help keep you in some kind of idea of the present moment. It works for a while, but eventually you're just going to have to be who you are. And that may be difficult. Jinshu Bowing. Vishal says psilocybin? Trying Vipassana on psilocybin and always end up resorting to Shikintaza. Yeah. So, I don't know. I haven't done psilocybin in a long time. Can you remember what it was like? What was it like? I know there's people in the room that have done psilocybin recently, probably. <laughs> Further questions? Sir, are we able to enjoy not knowing? Yeah. Yeah, because there's no position. 
But the not knowing actually has to do with the, the, the ego, the self-centered aspect of the mind has not gone away. It's just been seen, it's been seen through. You see that you are not a solid being. There's no solid being. It's an illusion. So we uh, enjoy that. No position. Doesn't mean that you can't spontaneously take up any position. You can be a 16-foot golden Buddha, if that's what's needed. And also you can be a, a fire-breathing dragon, if that's what's needed. Like a bowing. As students, should we give up on desire? I wouldn't bother with it. Wouldn't give up on anything. We'll get rid of anything. Transcendental pack wrap. Keep everything. Hang on to it. Tightly. Look at the grip. Look at the white knuckles. That's where the that's where the understanding is going to come from. By looking the difficulty right in the white knuckles. Because if you go away and have ideas about what you were just looking at, it may become philosophical. We start to contemplate this, that, and the other thing. But when death comes out, warning that those insights and those those textbooks you've been writing will not help you. Junchu Bowing, when I'm in the midst of rationalizing, yes, and I am looking at how tight my grip is on that, yes, it seems like I can't actually see, I can't see the grip without um, somehow letting myself off the hook or saying, get, getting a credential for... Rationalization. For, yeah, yeah. looking at, mm -hmm. well, I'm just going to look at how tight my grip is. Mm -hmm. How do I actually look at it? That's, that's how you do it. It just takes a while. Just repeat. No, just keep coming back to that, come back, just like returning to the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, returning to the Three Jewels, returning to the Bodhisattva Bhav, to be with all things. This is why we do it. This is why people do prostrations. We do chant sutras, and, and people have different ways of approaching this. It's a matter of repetition. If you can, use the entire body, not just uh, that aspect of the body uh, that we call the mind. Do it totally. It's Maintain awareness of the body, but don't back away from it totally into your mind stream about what you're seeing, what you shouldn't be seeing, what you're really aware of. Bowing, it looks like there are brief moments of openness, and then I back up from that and shut down and put the walls back up. So, uh, a brief moment of openness is not openness. It's a brief moment of openness. It's not openness. Openness has no momentariness to it. It has no, has no briefness to it. There's no one there. There's no one who's open. So the flashes that you're getting, just keep watching them. Don't particularly try to maintain them or bring them back. Just let them show up, just like birds flying from branch to branch. That begins to show up when someone begins to train their mind. 
different people. It's different. Some people, it's right away they're bowled over by the what they've been ignoring right away, maybe for the first six months or a year, and then it all starts to settle back down, and then then it's a long trek through the desert. Go ahead. You said something about use the whole body. How do I do that when I built myself into a wall? No. Look, look at what you're saying. You're, you're describing something you see. I built myself into a wall. And you're, you're a little bit tentative or a little bit weepy about that. So that. What does that say? You're looking at it. Return to that, return to that, return to that, and return to it without particular expectation. But if you have expectation, then include that too. Don't get rid of the expectation. Just be aware of the expectation. There's nothing to accomplish. There's something to understand and see. But the downside of what you're feeling right now is how this feels. Disappointing or sad or whatever, how you would describe it. But the upside of it is this is how it feels to do this. We begin to run into our own personal walls of the mind. Mukegeko, as it says in the Heart Sutra in Japanese. Walls of, without walls of the mind. First, you have to see the walls. That sucks. It's called suffering. Why are you scratching your head? Okay, I'll let it go this time. Juzan. Juzan, it often seems like I rationalize why I'm on the path or why something's showing up for me. How does the path not reinforce that? Well, it might. In that, the area you're talking about, just, just watch it move, come and go. It's not, I'm not concerned with that when you describe that. When you talked to, if we were in a private interview, I would be responding to it in the same way. Don't be concerned with it. If it becomes haunting or concerning, then maybe we could look at it some more. But I wouldn't say there's, just watch. It's just part of the, the, the dependent origination that is showing up as separations. It's going to show up as separate stuff for quite a while. And when it, when it starts to show up as not being separate, then we're starting to look at shunyata, emptiness, suchness, or direct perception. But then, then again, that doesn't even, that has no duration. How do I relate to the credentialing that shows up without reinforcing a self? Just, just watch it reinforce. Don't don't turn into a traffic cop. Be, be willing to have that that mind stream that is is doing that kind of. Uh, I'm just going to say kind of craziness or spinning or grasping or making things worse. Just watch it before you interrupt it or intercept it or change it or shut it down based on your ideas about it. If you see, you don't have to shut it down. If you see what it is, it runs out of energy because it's, it's getting its energy right out of your back pocket. It's like a pickpocket. It's, you're actually providing. So if you just look at it, you'll eventually see the image only goes so far. You'll actually see that you're picking your own pocket in order to pay for this delusion. You can't actually do that because that self is imaginary. And when that is seen, then you realize the whole thing is imaginary. The whole contraption, me, me and my stuff and my self and my emotions and my feelings are intense. 
vivid, rough around the edges, and are insubstantial. They have no reality other than their wiggling and yelling. Anyone on uh, Zoom have a question? Jason Bowing. Jason. How, how do you know the difference between when a thought pattern or feeling is dissipating on its own versus you're controlling it to do that? Bowing. No. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it may, uh, because it, on its own or you're controlling it or anything, that's a it's not that there isn't some kind of but rationalization going on there. I wouldn't worry about it too much. The most important thing for you to do, as I see it, is train your mind. Continue to look at the wall. Find some situation where you're very still. All your senses are on receive. And you watch what moves in the mind stream, the life stream, what moves through your living room, what moves on the, on the street. And all of that movement, just watch the movement without adding, subtracting, dividing, doing nothing with it at all, but just being a, an observer. As uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti said in his books back in the 1950s, uh, the observer is the observed. And no, I'm not recommending his books. I'm just quoting. Aren't you going to ask me why I don't recommend his books? Well, then I'll tell you. Because he doesn't think you need a teacher and he doesn't think you need to meditate. He just thinks you need to just look at it and see it. And I think he's interesting thing for, for a teacher to say is you don't need a teacher. Well, it struck me as kind of funny. Here he is teaching and telling people they don't need a teacher. Are we at the end of our sojourn? Okay. One final question, if there is one. Especially from someone who's not asked a question. Okay. Apparently not. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. The Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan, and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.